Coffee Podcast. Podcast with coffee about dogs and cats. Welcome to the late great episode 31. The late and the great. It's late because we we actually already recorded a different episode 31 and the sound recording just was not usable, which was really sad. RIP our interview with animal control officer Jim Tercy part two because it was really interesting and great, but we're going to do our best to give you the highlights of what we learned in that interview. Along with an office cat update, thank you, Papa Geppetto. Yay, Papa! And some other information about what we are doing this March at our shelter. Papa, you can get on the mic if you want. Yeah. Hop on up there. That's neat. Your Papa. listeners await, mm-hmm. Papa. Honestly, I don't remember what all we talked about. So I remember the very first thing was a listener question about weatherized pets who kind of live or stay outdoors and what is the minimum requirement to be considered proper care for pets outside. And the most interesting thing I learned that I never thought about was having a doghouse that doesn't face the east or the Mm -hmm. west because then in the hot times of year, the sun could be shining directly in that doghouse and over heating it. And I was like, I never really thought about that. That's a good point because what I also learned that was a big takeaway for me is having your windows down will not decrease the temperature of your car. Yep. That is a myth because the heat comes from the angle of your front and your back windshields. Yep. So he said if they can, most of the time they'll still point a thermometer at your car even with the windows down and it is still in an unsafe zone which is above 80 degrees and below 40 degrees y'all. So if it's above 80 outside or if the temperature in your car reaches above 80 degrees, that's a problem. Yes, and I thought it was really cool that they have a neat gun they can point through the window, and it would tell them the internal temperature. He said that dogs in cold cars are almost just as much of a concern we always think about summertime, but it can happen in the winter as well where it can be dangerously cold. And, yeah, he basically said you have to be parked in the shade on a breezy day with the windows all the way down, and then the concern is that your dog's probably jumping out of your car mm-hmm. if the windows are that far down. He, we also asked him about people who see a dog in a car and are concerned. What can they like legally do? What should they do? And he said, number one thing to think of is try the door before you break open the window because it may be unlocked. You may not need to break anything. And to always call animal control or the police before you do any of that to, to maybe give them the details on the situation so they can tell you maybe how soon they could be there so you don't have to do it yourself or what the law is about what you can do because I'm pretty sure he said if a dog's in there in a car over five minutes period mm-hmm. or if they look like they need immediate help mm-hmm. due to medical issues. So we thought that was very interesting that they get a lot of calls about it. They are experienced and kind of know what to look for and they encourage you to call them ASAP if you see that to work together with them to see what you can do or what how fast they can get there so they can intervene. Yes, mm-hmm. that was very interesting. You talked about personally, if you're taking your dog to the lake and you stop at the gas station for ice and you're in there for like two minutes and the line gets long, what should you do? What can you do? Mm-hmm. You want to talk about yeah, his he reaction said, to that? Travel with a buddy. So one uh-huh. can stay in the car with your dog and leave the car running and one can run inside. Mm-hmm. Two, use your communication skills and tell the people in line around you, hey, I'm really sorry I have to pop out and check on my dog really fast, but can I get back in my line? Talk to the... Register a person if you need to and say, hey, I've j- I have to run out really, really fast because I'm, I want to just double check that my dog's okay and I'll be right back in. He also talked a little bit about the risks because I said, well, can you just use auto start and I can start my car from inside? And he said, potentially, but you also don't want to leave your car running you know, with you unattended for too long. Depends on how long you're going to be in there. Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit about that. And that's when I said, well, can you roll down your windows? And no, mm-hmm. that is not an option. Yeah, that doesn't help, really. Mm-hmm. I know that I've seen a lot of posts about 
the new fancy Teslas that specifically have a dog mode where it's able to like safely be on but locked, but your dog's in there with air conditioning. Um, so if you're fancy like that, I guess you're lucky that your car already has dog mode. But otherwise, yeah, he said you want to be really careful because you don't want to be on your way out to a fun trip to the lake and then your dog gets impounded or whatever and you get ticketed with something because mm-hmm. that's the consequence that can happen. Mm-hmm. So you can yep. Or your dog ticket. can be removed from your custody mm-hmm. or you have to go through the court process to get your dog back because now it's you know in a law enforcement jurisdiction so there was a lot of factors that he said it's really just better to plan and prevent yep and we did speak about dogs who are on a court hold for various reasons and that with 2020 the way things gone have gone everything with the court system has kind of been slowed down or taken a little bit longer than usual but we talked about some of the reasons why a dog might come in and also about what animal control officers are legally allowed to do when they suspect that an animal is being neglected or, or abused as far as going on somebody's property. And Grace asked if he can cuff people. And he said no. No. But the thing I thought was super fascinating to me you guys, the morbid questions that mm-hmm. come to my mind. We see in Children Buddy a lot. And, you know, and we see it on our, you see it on our social media sometimes too. Of like the, this dog was surrendered to the shelter. Animal control brought in this animal after their owner passed away. And it's really sad. And you're like, oh, they're so lost without, you know, their owner, which is true and very sad. And I was like, okay, well, but Officer Tercy, how do you know that this dog belonged to a person who passed away? And how do you get involved? Does the coroner call you? And he said, no, usually if a welfare check is conducted, like if a neighbor notices a smell or a person not coming out of their house, um, they might notice the pet in the window. They may call law enforcement, and law enforcement will then call TBD. So he said they're usually actually on site before the coroner, before a lot of other emergency response, because they have to get the animal out of any type of investigation scene um, so that it's not disruptive to those who are doing their other jobs. Yeah, so that is very interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about that. Law. Didn't think about, like, an emergency crime scene. He said, you know, dogs walking all over. Mm-hmm. He said they're trying to do... Uh, or you cats. Know, you know, cats yeah. will go anywhere. Yeah, and he was talking about... <laughs> If, if there's a AMR call to somebody who's having a heart attack, ACL will be called because they don't want the dog to be interrupting the, mm-hmm. you know, ambulance who's trying to do, you know, revive a heart attack uh, victim. So that was very interesting. Yes, it was. And we asked him a ton of questions about dog fighting because we really don't know a lot about it. It's possible that we may get some dogs in here that have been involved in that, but we usually don't have any direct details or know about it and it it sounds like there haven't been I I think he said he hasn't directly been involved in any busts dog fighting busts but they're always looking for signs of that well he said they hadn't been involved in any prosecutions Mm. they hadn't been able to prosecute it Mm -hmm. for whatever reason but that they are aware that it is happening and he said a lot of times it's usually between individuals who are like hey I think my dog's pretty pretty bad and you'll have to put in a taffy noise I think my dog's pretty bad (laughs) Your dog looks pretty bad. Should we fight him and the winner gets 50 bucks? And if your dog wins, you're like, dang, my dog's really cool. Then you're probably going to do it again to your dog and be like, hey, your dog's even bigger and badder. You want to fight my dog again? So he said that was a big, when we see dogs with a whole bunch of scarring, that is typically. And there's like three levels of dog fighting. And that's kind of like the the bottom level, the most unofficial Mm -hmm. level. Hardest to prosecute because you have no Mm -hmm. way of proving it. Yep. Yep, and then mid-level is just a little bit bigger and probably has more people involved. And then I was kind of blown away, although I shouldn't be, I feel like I'm just naive, that there are these very high-level, he's like kind of Michael Vick level, uh, where they are 
airing it on some kind of closed circuit television for people to watch. So mm-hmm. They found in like semi trailers that people have set up movable dog fighting rings so that they can't be tracked down to one location. And you know, people breeding dogs and lots of money involved. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, how does this mm-hmm. how does this happen how? in the world? But it does. Mm-hmm. It does. So they kind of know things to look for. He encouraged anyone who has any suspicions. You hear things. You see things anywhere in Topeka to give them a call because they would love to investigate it and check it out. But he emphasized how careful they have to be with following the law because if they were to find someone that they could prosecute, it could get thrown out of court if they did anything wrong or went somewhere they weren't allowed to go. And he said that a lot of people imagine or think, you know, if if you even think or are pretty sure there's some kind of abuse and neglect going on, you should be able to just storm in there and, like, take an animal. He's like, no, we have to follow very strict rules of the law so we can't always just storm in on somebody's house or backyard or what have you if, if we think that something's going on. So he said that he has faced many of those dilemmas where he's having to follow the law. You know, morally it can be kind of difficult because you want to do something else, but it doesn't line up with how they are supposed to do their job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was interesting. Yeah, it was very interesting. Thanks, Officer Tercy, mm-hmm. for all your information. Even though we have to now give it second hand, that's okay. Yes, I'm sorry. I don't get to hear it directly from your voice, but I'm also going to try to write up a blog post with more details on what he talked to us about. And I hope you all really liked our first interview with him. I'm glad we were able to do that. And hopefully in the coming months, maybe once or twice a year, we can do an animal control officer interview. That'd be very cool. Yes, Mm -hmm. it would. I have to transition and tell you, so Papa is sitting here and he's (laughs) facing me and like many senior kitties, Papa is struggling with some dental issues. Mm. But I have now, as weird as it sounds, his breath smells really horrible. But I find it a very comforting smell because I smell it all day long. So if I don't smell Papa's breath, I'm looking for him. And now I'm sitting here and like, it's like, you know, if you have like that blanket you've used since a kid and it's like real sweaty and kind of feet, but you're like, but I have always loved it. Yep. I feel like that about Papa's breath. It's always in my space. Mm-hmm. So if it's not, where is this pungent odor I miss at? It. I miss it. I miss your office cat. So thank you for breathing on me, Papa, with your horrible, stinky breath. Yeah, we're working on it. So office cat update. Office, office cat, cat update. update. Papa, the ancient office cat, is still with us. He has Grace has a new item to help care for him. Mm-hmm. She's got two of them on her desk right now, actually. So we thought that Papa potentially had an upper respiratory infection. When I say we, I mean all of us because we have a veterinarian, so we our process is to put in vet checks and have her come look. And because he's just always got boogers in one yeah. nostril, just one nostril. It's like yep. a snot bubble perpetually there. And she was looking at I don't know if you've all seen Papa. He's only got one eye. And she's thinking perhaps there is a mucus buildup in the tear duct of the missing eye and it is draining down through his nostril that is right underneath that eye. Mm-hmm. So I have a suction. It's a bulb to suction out his boogers from his nostril so he can breathe a little bit better and try and clear it from that pathway up to his eye. And it's really gross because I can then shoot boogers from the suction as a <laughs> booger gun. I haven't done it to people because that would be inhumane to my fellow humans, <laughs> but I like having the option. So Papa's got a booger gun. Mm-hmm. He has gained a pound. Yep, yeah, a pound and a half. Wow. He was like 7.4 when he got here, and then he'd only gained a half a pound, and then now his latest weigh-in, he's at 9.6. So Yay. two full pounds, but a pound and a half since his last weigh-in. Yeah, Papa, he is sleeping in my office currently. 
he started peeing on some things in Grace's office, so they checked his kidneys. Mm-hmm. And nope, everything's fine. <laughs> so I think it might just be his him expressing his dislike of something. Maybe he's sick of sleeping in the same room over and over again, so he's been having some slumbies over in my mm-hmm. office. We're happy to do whatever it takes, Papa, to make you a happy cat. You are so spoiled, it's not even funny. I love you, Thomas. Simon, I don't remember if we talked about Simon on the podcast before. I think maybe we had mentioned him, but he is a kitten that has a cleft, cleft nose. It's, I think cleft palate. Yeah, I think it's a cleft palate. And maybe do you have a heart condition as well? Uh, grade four heart murmur. <laughs> so he's just getting with problems, but he's so curious, active, happy cat, really friendly. And Kathy was fostering him in her office. And yesterday, Darcy, who is our new dog and foster coordinator adopted him and took him home to hang out with her four cats. So that's really exciting. It is definitely officially puppy and kitten season. We've had especially a lot of puppies come in in the last week and so I anticipate it will not be very long until we have some new kittens in our offices up here. Yes. Mm -hmm. We have a plan. Papa, you might have to babysit. <laughs> he seems fine. I mean, he's fine babysitting Amos, a big old puppy, so. That's I true. I like he'd like kittens. Yeah. And he was in here with Delta and Dawn. Mm-hmm. I did have them, the three of them together. Yeah, he'll be good. I'm looking forward to it. Yay, kitten season. Um, no, that's shelter listeners everywhere. Not yay, kitten season. <laughs> I mean, yay, it's fun to have a couple of cute kittens around, but overall, it is, it, it's a stressful time because this. you're playing the game of trying to find all the right foster homes for all the kittens puppies that are coming in and more and more just keep coming in and you're trying to save all their lives and it takes a lot of resources so it can be very stressful this is true i bottle fed puppies on monday yeah was that your first time i don't know if i've ever bottle fed puppies. it was my first time bottle feeding on monday so this is like this is why kitten season and puppy season is such a challenge for shelter workers because there's so many of them and the litters are so big and so margaret called down here and she was like are you free right now? Are you in the middle of something? Which is always a really like, what could it be? I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's yeah, really anything. a lottery when Margaret asks you that very question. Yeah. And I was like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm free. What do you need? And she was like, uh, can you just can you just come down here? I I need some help with something. So I go down there, and she says, we just got these puppies in. They need to eat. They haven't eaten in a couple hours. And they need to eat right now, and we're all slammed in intake. So here you go. <laughs> Here you go, Mom. Okay. But thankfully, she really helped me because I was, like, trying to read the back of the how much do you mix and what temperature does it need to be at per ounce and measuring it out for them. And I was like, oh, God. Um, And Darcy, in her true foster way, as she's answering intake calls, is, like, snipping the tips off a bottle for me so and sanitizing it so that I can get going. And um, I was like, oh, thank you. And they got my bottle prepped, and then I just sat in a chair in in an office back there in an unoccupied office. That's why we need rocking chairs around here. Uh-huh. That's why we need rocking feet. chairs. And I just held them and bottle-fed them until they quit. Like, they said they weren't hungry anymore. And mm-hmm. then one pooped on my shirt. And I didn't know that you have to stimulate them mm, yeah, to make them go to thing. the bathroom because they can't on their own. So, apparently me, like, kind of holding <laughs> kind of accidentally did. But mm-hmm. I didn't know that was a thing. So, I learned. And then I asked my mom, who said, you don't have to do that with human babies. <laughs> In case you're wondering. Thank goodness, right? Human babies are a lot more difficult in some ways, but at least there's that. Yeah, I was like, is this a normal thing? And she was like, mostly with animals, Grace. <laughs> like, I didn't know. Oh. Now we know. 
Yeah, now we know. Oh my goodness. You sent me a video and they were very loud when they were not eating. Mew! They were a little chihuahua. Mew! Mixes. They weren't mewing. What were they doing? I mean, it kind of was like that. Maybe not with the M, but it's like whining. Mew! Yep. Yeah. Gosh, they're cute. They are cute. It's just wild the amount of bottle-fed puppies I've seen in the last week via video and in person is a lot more than I usually expect even in a normal mm-hmm. year. But maybe I've just been over to intake more than I usually would. Yeah. And the kittens have just kind of been steady. Yeah. The puppies are more like, bah, because they're out of nowhere. But the kittens have been coming. They will continue to come. Yes, they will. Do you want to talk about seeing a live cat birth? Ew. Ew. You've had a lot of experiences. Ew, life. that was horrible. Ugh. It was like an alien. And I told Dr. Grace, man, you guys, to me it was shocking. To so many other staff in this building, it was like, it's a normal part of their day. Mm -hmm. So it was like more shocking to them that I was shocked by it, Mm -hmm. which was a very funny experience in the shelter worker's life. You know, the differences in daily experiences. But I happened to be back in vet clinic. And I also love the communication because I do want to tell the story. I love this because we had Rachel on here, you know, a few episodes ago. But I heard this noise, and it was the most truly horrifying, guttural scream that I've ever heard. And I was like, oh, God, what is that? And it was, I'm not going to try and make the noise. Uh-huh. And Dr. Grace goes, Rachel! And Rachel shouts back, I heard it! And I see Rachel come dashing in. She's already pulled on gloves. She's got a towel ready. And they immediately start pulling out, like, the water dish and the food dish. And I was like, what is going on here? And Dr. Grace is like, she, she's giving, she's having birth, or she's giving babies, or something like that. And I was like, oh, God. And I was like, well, I'm going to stand here. I want to witness the miracle of life. And then I saw these <laughs> two paws, two tiny just angry, bloody little paws emerging from the depths of this cat's like a earth. horror movie. It was so horrible. And it's like paws came out and its paws were moving before I saw the rest of the cat. And I was like, I'm leaving. Was it in a sack? No. Hmm. And I did not want to see the rest of the miracle of childbirth. <laughs> you saw enough. And then I, when I left, Dr. Grace came down later. She said, where'd you go? I thought you were standing right behind me. And I was like, No. Definitely was not standing right behind you. I turned and left. And then I told Emmy, I'm sorry I didn't film it for the person pause baby shower. I was like, it sounds like we couldn't show that to anyone. No. But I actually thought it was just so cool that, like, that sound must have been one they're pretty used to. Like, they knew what it meant. Like, that she was like, Rachel, and who'd already heard it, had already gloved. Like, to her, that was, like, an alarm to immediately invoke birthing procedure. Yep. Which I did not know. My birthing procedure is evacuate as far from that room as you can possibly get. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's These are some troopers. Y'all don't even know the, the daily things that they do. Seriously, that medical center is could have its own reality TV show, mm-hmm. I bet, with just all the craziness happening all the time. Yeah. That was my favorite part of the story when Rachel was like, I heard it! <laughs> and it was ready to go. <laughs> she knew. It's like, it's like when you're sleeping and you hear your cat start to throw up and you're like immediately awake and like grabbing the supplies <laughs> that you need. But they also do that with live cat births in the medical center. You know, exactly. like reaction, you're like yeah. ready to go immediately. Yeah, you know what that exact noise means. You know, you know what mess is coming. Uh-huh. Wow. Uh-huh. I can't say that I'm jealous of that experience. I have, I have not had that experience and I'm, I think I'm okay yeah. with it. Wish I hadn't, but actually, I not. I I wish that I had more guts to watch the guts. Mm-hmm. If there's any like 
I know especially dog fosters, there's dog fosters out there who have taken pregnant moms into foster care and they've had their babies. Like, write into us your experience of what that was like if you were there. to hear it. You know what? Here was a little known fact that I learned about dog moms that I've seen in our shelter Mm -hmm. that we usually give them a kiddie pool Mm -hmm. so that they can nest. Yeah, I remember learning um, that from Margaret. Yeah, like, like obviously it's well well sanitized. pool. Yes. It's, you know, it's not filled with water. It's usually got like a blanket or a towel or something on there, but so that she has something to lean against if she needs to contort. And then she can, feels a little bit of security around her because there's a, you know, a protective barrier. And then once the puppies come out, they're like blind squirmy things that are just moving all around and that pool will just keep bringing them back to mom if they (laughs) wiggle away. Uh That's true. That was a very interesting fact I'd learned. Mm -hmm. So those baby pools that y'all donate are for more than just dogs playing in the water in the summer. Mm -hmm. They might also have babies born in them. Yes, they might. Yay. Home water birth without the water. Right. Thank you guys for listening. Sorry this episode's a bit late this week, but we plan to be back on schedule next week and we'll be interviewing Margaret Price, almost everyone's favorite person, and talk a bit more about the No Place Like Home Challenge and all the things we're doing in March. So looking forward to that. In the meantime, never forget, we're we're all all in this together. together. Okay, pause.